It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. Coming up on episode number 25 of Sports Day Plus. A little bit after 6.30, it is the first of a two-segment conversation with Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark. And yes, I do ask him about those comments he made about the Longhorns in Lubbock just before the start of this season. And coming up in mere seconds, helping you handicap the weekend in football with my guy, Sammy P. I am your host, Trey Elling. You can follow me on Twitter at Courtesy Wave and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. Sam Paniatovich is one of the best sports handicappers around. He is the main guy at Nesson up in Boston, helps out with Fox Sports, has the Chicken Dinner Podcast. You can give him a follow on Twitter at SP Shoot and check him out on this show during football season every Friday, normally at 6.15, but he's leading things off tonight. Sam, thank you as always for the time. How are you doing today? Getting ready to gamble, baby. We got a lot of good games, uh, starting with Oregon and Washington tonight. No bet there. Uh, but plenty of stuff to talk about Saturday and Sunday, as you know. No bet there. Why is it that you're staying away from this game tonight, Sam? You know that answer, but since your audience might not, I will enlighten the room. I thought going into the regular season finale last week against Oregon State, I thought Oregon was going to A, win that game, and B, be a prohibitive favorite in the Pac-12 title game against Washington. And that's basically what happened. So what I did was bet Oregon at 7-1 to to win the national championship. And after they beat Oregon State, they're a 9-10 point favorite tonight. That number went from 7-1 to to 5-1. to And you know how this racket works, Trey. They beat Washington tonight with a banged-up Michael Penix and a thriving Ducks offense. That number goes to 425, maybe 4-1. to And I, I tell you what, man. This team is as good as any team in the country right now, and they are not going to be a big underdog against Georgia or against Michigan. So I thought I would roll the dice on them to win the whole thing at 7-1 to last week. So I just need them to win and move on to the playoffs. All right, my fingers are crossed for you with that one. I think I were to lean Washington. Were I to go one way or another on that 9.5, I think when a team is – in the position Washington's in, and they're being completely slighted by everybody. And look, some of it is uh, very valid. Penix being banged up, them uh, dealing with injury issues on that offense throughout the course of the year. They found more of a run game, but it feels like it's not going to be enough against Oregon. I think we do see them uh, give their best shot in this one since when they beat the Ducks a couple months ago at this point. But ultimately, Oregon probably does win. And I actually have a vested interest in that now because I want to see you hit that uh, that futures bet that you made last week. Well, unless Texas gets in, then, then we root against it. But I, I tend to agree with you. That's a lot of points to lay. The look-ahead number a month ago, oddsmakers put a number out November 1st, the hypothetical Pac-12 championship, Oregon minus four. Well, now it's nine, nine and a half, ten. It's a big adjustment. But my concern with betting against Oregon is that it's like UConn in last year's tournament. That team was just hot. People wanted to bet against them, fade them, and they just railroaded everybody. That's my concern tonight for Washington. 
You mentioned Texas uh, possibly making it to the college football playoff. Yes, you're right about that. Texas makes it to the college football playoff. That's who I'm rooting for. But it uh, does feel like a bit of an outside shot right now, considering that uh, Florida State may be on the ropes, might be down to their third-string quarterback in that ACC matchup tomorrow with Louisville. That is the most direct path for Texas making it, is uh, leapfrogging either Oregon or Washington, one of those two teams losing, and then taking Florida State's place in the playoff. Do you feel good about the Longhorns' chances of uh, – uh, making it to that final four right now? I mean, they have to They have to have things fall their way, Texas, right? You, you need Alabama to lose um, because if Alabama beats Georgia, well, Alabama technically is going to be hard to get in over Texas, so you kind of have to get that out of the way. You need Georgia to beat Bama, and you need Louisville and Jeff Brom uh, to handle a third-string quarterback at Florida State. But as for the Horns, just take care of business. And I, I think – the market is telling a story here. This opened 13, we're to 15 now, and that's a big old key number in college football. The sevens, the 14s, the 21s, those those fat sevens are big key numbers. And money in Vegas drove this sucker right through 13 to 14 to 15. And I think that's telling a story here. And I was talking to guys uh, in town, as I often do, Chris Andrews at the South Point, John Murray at Westgate, and, and their sharpest players laid Texas. They laid 13, they laid 14, and you know now people are catching on and, and laying a worse number. But Oklahoma State's a very enigmatic team. They're yeah. up, they're down. You don't really know what they are on a given day. If Texas plays Texas's A game, Texas names the score. 30-10, 31-14. Uh, their defense is, I think, the best unit on the field. Uh, I've said that with you for the last month or so. And, you know, the Pokes can score, but – if Texas gets home and puts pressure in that pocket, Texas is going to win this game big. So I tend to agree with the market. I don't have a play on the game, but Oklahoma State sort of feels like a dog with fleas. Oh, that's a lot of points. Well, it's 17 to nothing now. It's not a lot of points anymore. You know what I mean? Definitely, and Oklahoma State needs to be able to run the ball well to have success on offense, and that's been impossible for opponents to do against the Longhorns, at least when it's still a ball game. Like, Texas Tech got Taj Brooks' numbers last week, but – they were giving the ball a few times in a row like midway through the third quarter because they were essentially waving the white flag. Oklahoma State is going to have too hard of a time running the ball. Therefore, Texas should be able to curb stomp them on top of the fact that the Longhorns are playing their best ball at the right time too. Really locked in right now. You saw that to a degree in uh, Ames against Iowa State in the second half, but really against Texas Tech last week. And the biggest motivating factor for them last week was Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark being in attendance. He will be at the game at Jerry World tomorrow as well because he does have to shake the winning coach's hand and give that winning team the uh not just the uh, game winning trophy but also uh crown somebody the player of the game by putting a wwe belt around their waist i didn't know that was the thing um it doesn't really change my handicap look the reality is texas can't lose this game no. i mean they're a seven dollar favorite in the desert right now you got to lay seven to win one oklahoma comes back or oklahoma state rather comes back at five to one so let's not even let's not even go there. This is a game that Texas will win, and I think I think they do cover the the fourteen fifteen points. So your money plays this week, Sam, include uh, taking Alabama in that five and a half. It's actually down to five now with the uh, line that I'm looking at on ESPN. But Alabama five and a half point dogs to Georgia. Why do you think Alabama can keep it closer than that? 
this Nick Saban guy is just a maniac in this <laughs> SEC game. You know, 10-1 and all-time in the SEC championship. His teams have won, how about this, 16 straight games in the city of Atlanta. That goes back to his time at LSU as well. And, and that's not really why I like the game. I mean, it, it helps. It, it plays into the fact that Saban teams usually get better. This team in December is nothing like what it was in September, which I know Texas fans don't want to hear about, but this defense made a lot of changes up front. Um, the offense has gotten better. Jalen Milrow has been playing much better at quarterback. And I, I like Georgia. I mean, Georgia's clearly a, a better football team, but I think this game should be like three or four. The fact that I could get five and a half this morning, just it spoke to me. I think this is a 24-20 game either way. I also sort of like the under in the game too, Trey, 55 and a half. Um, but Bama uh, behind a, a very good and progressive defense. It's gotten a lot better. I like them to face a Georgia team. You know, Georgia's, Georgia was great last year. Georgia is very good this year. There's a difference, though. I mean, they were like a 98 out of 100 last year, 99. This year, they're about a 92. I think you could beat them this year. But I'm taking the points, and I'll tell you what. I don't even know who the best defense Georgia is, or the best defense Georgia's played for that matter. Tennessee, ugh, Kentucky, barf. They haven't played anybody. Old Miss, they haven't played a good defense yet, and I think this defense at Alabama is going to give them a tougher time. All great points. He is Sam Paniatovich, a.k.a. Sammy P. He is the main handicapper at Nesson up in Boston, helps out Fox Sports, has the Chicken Dinner Podcast. Give him a follow on Twitter at SPShoot and hear him on this show Fridays normally starting at 6.15. Today he is leading things off. Coming up next, we will continue working our way through the Power 5 championship games. Tomorrow, yes, we're going to have to hold our nose with Michigan-Iowa, but also Sammy P., one of his money picks this week is Florida State-Louisville. Which way does he go? Well, you're just going to have to stay tuned to find out, and we will look at an abbreviated NFL slate, including those Houston Texans hosting the Denver Broncos. That's right here on Sports Day Plus on 1027 ESPN. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellett. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. Back for one more segment with my friend Sammy P, a.k.a. Sam Paniatovich. He is the lead handicapper at Nesson in Boston, also helps at Fox Sports, has the Chicken Dinner Podcast. Follow him on Twitter at SPShoot. Hear him on this show every Friday for a couple of segments, getting you ready for the football weekend. And it's really going to be the NFL weekend starting next week, but uh, we'll figure out... Uh, either more games or we'll definitely talk Army-Navy and uh, figure some other things out with Sam uh, for next week's affair. But uh, we still have some more college games to talk about this week as well as a few NFL games. And Sam, we uh, talked about the uh, Power 5 games that do have some intrigue up to this point. And there's one more to get into, but before we do that... Uh, I do need to ask you, I guess, if you have an opinion one way or another on Michigan, Iowa, the Wolverines 22-point favorites, the over-under 34.5. I mean, if Iowa were to win this game, it would have to be, I don't know, like a 2 to nothing final score because their offense sucks so bad right now. But is there something that you like about this game? It's funny you bring up 2 to nothing because here's a bet I want to talk about. I I am probably going to make this tomorrow. I'm I'm not quite there yet, but you know, you get a couple of drinks with me tonight and a couple of drinks with me tomorrow, I might do it. There's a team total for Iowa in the first half. 
Okay, so you basically cut the game in half, and then Iowa's team has a specific number. It's two and a half, first and second quarter. So they need to score a field goal or a touchdown in the first two frames. I don't think they do, man. I'm looking at a team that couldn't move the ball against Illinois, against Rutgers, against Nebraska, and those defenses are nothing special. I mean, the the, the Big Ten West really sucked this year. It was yeah. awful. It was bad quarterback play and, like, defenses that are stingy but nothing special. Michigan has an elite defense with, you know, they have six starters that are going to go in the draft combined this year and next year. They are going to field position Iowa to death. They're going to move the ball to the 40, punt it to the 10. Iowa's going to have to go 90 yards. Iowa's going to get, like, 26 yards in the first half. It's going to be a rock fight, but it's going to be Michigan downhill and Iowa uphill. I don't think Iowa's going to score. So that's a long-winded way of me saying I think Iowa under two and a half points in the first half. It's not going to be popular because people will go, oh, well, they only need one score. Well, I've watched a lot more Iowa than I can admit this year, Trey Ball. I I think they get goosed in the whole game. So I'm going to go under two and a half in the first half on Iowa. And I promise you, you can only hear this on your show because nobody else is sick enough to discuss this. I really hope karma's listening right now. with you throwing that tray ball out there, Sam and look, <laughs> I, I have tried to go over, uh, over some, uh, some really low Iowa over unders this year. As a matter of fact, I think it was like 24 and a half last week or 25 and a half. I'm like, surely this is going to hit the over. Nope. It doesn't because their offense continues to suck. Now their defense has been, Uh, decent this year too that's been the saving grace and the reason why they're playing in this Big Ten championship game on top of the fact that their division is complete garbage to your point from earlier as well but I think I would I I would go the under with that one too I see what you're saying and I have not been uh, drinking heavily for the last couple of hours I have not yet um, but you know Friday night is upon us and we'll see Iowa is uh, 10 and 2 to the under this year so they've been a cash cow when you bet their unders and while you're right, these numbers are low. I mean, we're talking about totals of 26, 27 and a half, 30 and a half, 31 and a half, 33 and a half, 34 and a half. They all in under. I mean, this team plays games 10 to 7 and 12 to 10 and 13 to 10 and 22 to nothing and 15 to 6. This this game sets football back 80 years when Iowa plays. So I I'm not going to overthink it. You know what? Now I'm now I'm definitely betting it. You got me all fired up now. <laughs> All right. Well, one more uh, Power Five championship game to talk about, and this is uh, another one of your money picks. You uh, you like Florida State? Now I am showing two. I believe you had a slightly different number that you gave me. Yeah, you gave me one and a half. Florida State. Uh, you like them as one and a half point favorites over, over Louisville. Why do you like the Seminoles here? Well, that number has come down even more. I'm looking at the odd screen here. It's it's one, one and a half, and that's because there's been a couple reports that uh, Tate Rodemaker is a game-time decision. But I'll tell you what, man, their third-string quarterback is, is probably better than Rodemaker. Hmm. And, and I'm not just mincing words here. I mean, this is a kid who was a four-star recruit. Florida State swooped out last minute. They, they got him. They got him over Ohio State and Michigan. His name is Brock Glenn. Uh, true freshman, but a very good player. And I'm telling you what, this this Rodemaker, who's a redshirt junior and kind of like a journeyman, he, he can't do what this Glenn kid can do. And I'll tell you what, you know, if Jordan Travis is playing, this line is probably seven. I, I think it's cheap to buy Florida State. And it's it's weird because I don't want Florida State to win this game. 
I, I want to see, you know, a playoff with Oregon out west, Texas in the south, Michigan in the Midwest, and then Georgia from the southeast. That's what I want. That's the best playoff we'll ever have. But I, I think Louisville at plus one is just a bad bet, plus one and a half. Florida State has three guys in the D-line uh, or in the front seven that are going to go pro. Um, Louisville still has to score on Florida State. And I, I was very impressed with the way that that defense played on the road in a must-win game last week against Florida. Everybody's counting them out, and this number has just ran too far. I wasn't going to lay three. I wasn't going to lay six but I can lay one or one and a half right now with Florida state. That's just an overreaction that I will take advantage of. And I think anything one or one and a half with the nose, you got to lay it. Uh, boy, I hate to hear that as a longhorn fan, but your rationale kind of makes sense too. I know, man. I know, but look like I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a Texas fan. I'm not a Michigan fan. I'm not a Georgia fan. Like I, I just, I try and bet numbers, not teams. Yeah. And Florida State minus one is just, it's not the right number. That doesn't mean that it's going to win. I'm not even saying that it's a lock. But, I mean, I'll ask you, are you taking, what, what are you taking first? Louisville plus one or Florida State minus one? I, I have no good feel on this game, so I, I'm staying away from altogether. But I guess if I were to have to pick one or the other, based on how Louisville played last week and how Florida State has shown the ability to rally these last couple of weeks now, including falling down by 12 to Florida last week, and I'm probably going Seminoles. Yeah, if they lose, look, it's it's not a big bet for me. Everything is flat. We're betting these all for the same amount. If it loses, I can live with it. Nothing is a layup. Obviously, it's a coin flip. It's, it's a one-point spread. But there's some solace here because if Florida State does lose, that means that the path is much easier for Texas to get in. All right, shifting focus to the NFL now. We have two games that I want to talk about because they're decent matchups and a couple of others that are your money picks this week. So let's start in Houston. The Texans hosting the resurgent Broncos. Five-game winning streak Broncos. Very strange. But then again, Sean Payton knows how to get it done. Texans are field goal favorites right now. Over-under is 47.5. Do you have a feel for this game one way or the other? You know, I think that the Houston offense is going to give Denver some problems in the secondary because if you look at what Denver has done over its winning streak, it's been impressive. I mean, to string together that many good wins in a row is always something that you have to pay attention to. But, I mean, really, the passing attacks for for a lot of those teams have, have not been great as of late. I mean, you got five straight wins against the Packers, who, who really can't throw it that well, uh, the Chiefs, who can't catch open passes, the Bills, who can't stop turning it over, and then the Vikings and Browns. You know, like, it's it's an impressive five-win streak, but I'll tell you what, man, this, this Houston Texans passing attack is one of the most efficient in football. In fact, if you look at this statistic, it's called expected points added per play. The Houston Texans are number, let's see, they're number eight in the NFL in per play, and they are number four in the NFL per pass. That, that's insanity when you think about that. The only teams that are better right now in EPA per pass are Dallas, Miami, and San Francisco. Hmm. I think C.J. Stroud is going to have a big game through the air. Look at his passing prop. You can find him like 265 and a half. Uh, I think that's an easy over. He's been averaging over 300 his last four or five games. I like C.J. Stroud over the yardage. Uh, the number I can get right now is 265 and a half. I, I don't know who wins, 
I just think this kid's going to have a big day through the air. Hmm. The game of the week is also one of your money picks this week, and that would be the 49ers as three-point favorites over the Eagles in Philly. Now, some people are scratching their heads at this line, but you actually like San Francisco in this position. Why? I wrote a story about this for Fox. If you want to check it out, it's foxsports.com, and you can just go to the odds page, and it's right there. I talked with a, a very good odds maker in Vegas named Chris Andrews, and he was talking about you know why this line is the way it is. And, you know, he, he basically laid into the point that, look, we don't care about records. We don't care about rankings. All we care about is our power ratings. And despite the Eagles only having one loss, the Eagles have really been clawing through in their last few games. I mean, really all season. They have a lot of really close wins. But if you look at the Chiefs game, you look at the Bills game, I would argue that the Eagles were outplayed for seven out of the eight quarters. Now, they win both games, and you give them credit for that. But how much longer can you play with fire in games against good teams and, and San Francisco when healthy, Chris Andrews told me is the best team in football. They are better than anybody on a neutral field, two and a half points better when healthy. And I, when somebody like that says something to me, I, my eyebrows go to the ceiling. We also Trey, we saw San Francisco with two and a half earlier in the week. It got blasted to three. And I don't know that it's going to come off the three. Like, it's not going to go to three and a half because then people will come back and take the Eagles. But I, I think this Eagles thing is is sort of real, but sort of not. And I'm willing to find out again this weekend. I like San Fran minus the three. Eagles are good. I think the Niners are great, though. And we shall find out on Sunday. Yes, we will. Sam, thank you as always for the time. He is Sam Paniatovic, a.k.a. Sammy P., lead handicapper at Nesson in Boston, helps out Fox Sports, as you just mentioned, and he joins this show every Friday for a couple of segments to break things down. Sam, we'll talk to you next week, man. Have a great weekend. Good luck, everybody. Go Horns. Coming up, it is a two-segment chat with Big 12 Conference Commissioner Brett Yormark. And yep, I asked him about those preseason comments in Lubbock. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. Brett Yormark is the commissioner of the Big 12 Conference, who has been on the job since summer of 2022. In that time, he has taken the conference from an afterthought to relevant once again in the college sports landscape in college football, college basketball, and beyond. Thanks to expansion and a willingness to think outside the box while also valuing relationships. But thinking and operating outside the box involves risk, and sometimes those risks backfire. And many would say that his comments to a group of Texas Tech fans in Lubbock just a week before the start of this college football season backfired in a major way on Brett Yormark because, well, he took aim on the Texas Longhorns. In addition, candidly, we were able to get Texas and Oklahoma out a year early. That was a big deal for us, and I think all of you, okay? And coach, I'm not going to put any pressure on you, but I'm going to be in Austin for Thanksgiving, okay? And you better take care of business like you did right here in Lubbock last year. Despite Texas Tech not being nearly as good as some people had thought or hoped, 
Brett Yormark was a man of his word. He was in Austin for the game last Friday, which was an absolute beatdown by Texas over Texas Tech, 57-7. And Brett is nice enough to join me now to reflect on those comments and talk about the ever-changing landscape of college sports, NIL, and more. Brett, thank you so much for the time. How you doing today? Doing great. Uh, glad to be with you, Trey. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. And man, it's just... I feel like this is every season, every college football season, but it feels like this year has flown by. How has this college football season been for you, considering that you're not only traveling around the Big 12, attending games in person, you were at the game here in Austin last Friday. There's a lot else going on uh, across the uh, college sports landscape as well. 100%. I mean, it, it's been a great season. Um, as you and I have discussed before, you know, I try to get to every campus uh, at least once. Uh, certainly see all the teams at least once, if not more. Um, so I've been spending my weekends on campuses, but also addressing some of the other issues, um, you know, that, you know, collectively the industry is facing. And But it's been busy. It's been great. Excited about Champ Weekend. Got a lot in store. Uh, two great teams. So I, I think it's going to uh, end in a, a real positive note uh, for the conference. And um, just excited to be here and a part of it. Yeah, big announcement on the Big 12 championship game a couple of weeks ago. The player of the game actually gets to wear the uh, WWE belt. Have you held the belt? Have you tried the belt on yourself? Is the belt in the office right now? What's going on there? Oh, I'm going to see that belt for the first time tomorrow. We're excited. You know, it, I've said this, I think, to you before. We, we look at the calendar every year. We, we identify 10 pole events. Obviously, our championship football game is a is a big milestone marker and a huge tempo event for us and to the extent we can you know promotionally elevate and amplify everything we're doing bring greater attention to our schools our student athletes you know i i feel it's incumbent upon um, me as the commissioner and our conference office to do that so the partnership with uh wwe we're, we're we're extremely excited about you know they reach over 150 million fans on social media. Uh, and and they're promoting TuneIn. Um, obviously, we'll have you know some of the WWE superstars with us. In fact, today I'll be doing a community event with them uh, in advance of Champ Weekend. And, you know, again, they'll be with us uh, on Saturday. So excited about that. You know, we're introducing uh, the first ever halftime show uh, live on ABC with Nelly. Um what I love about it is Nelly's integrating himself with the school bands. Um, and, and I, I think that's a, that's a big move for us. I know a lot of other conferences are going to watch because, you know, they want to turn these major moments uh, into huge experiences for the fans. And there's been a lot of conversation about how do you address halftime? I think one of the concerns about it was what do you do with the bands? They've been such a big part of it. And Nelly wanted to embrace that uh, and, and, and do some things alongside the band. So should be great for the students, great for the audience. And, you know, that is, is here in Arlington and then ultimately those at home. So we're excited for all the, all the things that are going on for the game this weekend. And then obviously having two great teams uh, to play it out um, should be a big moment for us. We, we announced a sellout earlier this week, um, which was great. And uh, so we'll have a packed house, a lot of passion in the building, and uh, I'm just excited to be a part of it. 
So I didn't want to get too deep into this interview, Brett, without addressing the elephant in the room for Longhorn fans, because uh, back in the preseason, you were visiting, uh, I think, pretty much every campus uh, across your conference, and in speaking with fans at uh, at Texas Tech in Lubbock, uh, you made mention of some things that really uh, pissed off Texas fans, to be blunt about it, and uh, to provide some context, when I heard what was said and how it was released and going back and listening over again, I as a Texas fan didn't have that big of an issue with it because I saw that in, in a sense that you were playing to uh, playing to the tech crowd, but you were also showing loyalty to a school uh, that is still going to be uh, under, under your conference rule, I guess is a, the best way to put it. After this season is over with and Texas and Oklahoma move on to the SEC. But a lot, a lot of Longhorn fans didn't feel that way. And as a matter of fact, uh, a lot of people have held on to that comment uh, all the way up to this point. I heard about it last week because you were obviously planning on being in town for the game itself. And uh, even now, like after the game, uh, players admitted that your comments were running on a loop uh, in the, uh, the the weight room uh, in the week leading up to the game as well. Um, what was your experience like here in Austin on the field with DKR and then also in the stadium watching it, the game itself? Could you sense a sort of animosity from the Longhorn fan base as you were walking around and maneuvering your way through the, uh, the Texas campus? Well, Trey, I'm glad you brought it up. First of all, you're absolutely right. You know, I, I visit campuses often. And, you know, in the fall, I was at a donor event at Texas Tech, about 1,300 donors, and was playing to the crowd and really having fun. I mean, as you get to know me as a as a person, as the fans get to know me, of which many have as I've been on campuses and been attending games, I'm a fun-hearted guy. You know, I, 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 I was speaking to the crowd, obviously, and, uh, I, you know, listen, I, I love being on campus last weekend, had a great experience. Uh, I was on campus uh, on multiple occasions last year in Austin. I saw a basketball game there. Um, in fact, I was there. It, it was my third visit uh, to campus. Um, and uh, every time I'm in Austin, I enjoyed. I was with my son. You know, the fans were great. Um, and candidly, listen, I, I love the, the passion um, that the Texas fans have. Um one of the reasons I love the job I'm in is because uh, I love the passion I see week to week going to campuses. Um, on, on, on weekends, uh, our fans wear that passion, and during the week they live it. And uh, I think it's fantastic. And I, I've, I've seen that dynamic um, since I've been on the job now for 15 months. And in fact, I think the passion I experience here is, is more than where I've worked before whether it be in professional sports or not. So I love the passion. I love that the fans care. Um, I'm a big fan of, of all of our schools. Um, I, I, I have a good relationship, a great relationship uh, with the coach, with the AD, with the president. Um, and um, I'm looking forward to embracing the fans uh, this weekend and, and looking forward to a great game. A lot of Texas fans felt like you coming out and admitting that you were rooting for Texas Tech over Texas in that final game of the season was unprofessional coming from a conference commissioner. Do you agree with that sentiment at all? All I could say is I was having fun. I was speaking to the crowd. Um, uh, you know, I, I treat everyone fairly. I, I love all of our members. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm happy for Texas 
you know, they're they're they've had a great season, a fantastic season. Um, they're going to the SEC. It's something they wanted to do, and and I'm excited for them. But I'm, at the same time, I'm excited for the future of the Big Twelve. I, you know, as I said when I first took this job, you know, I I saw all of this unfolding as a win-win for 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 everyone. Um, I, I I look at life uh, half full, not half empty. Um, I always look at the positives uh, in everything, and uh, I've I've been happy. You know, for the Texas fans, the Oklahoma fans, um, wanted them to have a great season this year and route to their next chapter. And um, the conference is obviously on a, on a good path forward. So I think everyone wins in this situation. And uh, like I said, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of this uh, weekend. Happy to see the fans, those from Texas, Oklahoma State. And it should be a great, great day. Did you know in the moment that those comments had a chance to go viral? Like, did you realize that there was a video camera on you and there was a chance that uh, the Big 12 and, and what you were saying in that moment would become the talk of college football leading into week zero of this current season? Listen, I, I you know, when I get into those moments and I'm having fun and, you know, in front of the crowd, I, I don't I don't really focus on whether there's cameras or iPhones Um uh, again, there's nothing more I can say. Um, uh, I love all our members. I'm a fan of uh, all of our members. And um, I was having fun speaking to the crowd that I was in front of. And um, again, you know, enjoyed my time on campus last last Friday and looking forward to seeing the fans this weekend. All right. Last question on this, I promise. And then we'll move on because there are some other uh, important things to talk about. Knowing what you do now and seeing how the Longhorn fan base reacted uh, to what was said to a crowd of Texas Tech fans, would you do anything differently in that moment uh, if you were able to go back and, and do something differently? Trey, I, I never go backwards, you know, buddy. I, I it's just my life. I, I you know, I, I never go backwards. I'm just looking forward to the game this weekend, embracing the passion that the Texas fans are going to have, the Oklahoma State fans are going to have. Thrilled to be the commissioner of the Big 12. Thrilled to be in this moment. Uh, all eyes are going to be on the Big 12 for all the right reasons uh, at 11 o'clock Central, live on ABC. And that's what I'm focused on. He is Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark. Coming up, one more segment with Brett on the other side. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. Back for one more segment with Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark. Brett, thank you for reflecting on those comments in Lubbock back in the preseason. Now, as far as the game itself on Saturday, Brett, this is a crazy year in college football because it feels like we need that expanded college football playoff this season. There are a lot of teams that have a good argument to be in the playoff this year, but there's only four slots Uh, So I guess my question for you based on that is assuming that at least one of the undefeated teams loses this weekend in their conference championship game and Texas does beat Oklahoma State, do you think Texas is uh, deserving of one of those college football playoff spots as uh, one of a handful of teams that have a single loss on the season? Well, first of all, Trey, I'll tell you, there is a lot of parity in college football. You're absolutely right. And I'm excited about the expanded uh, playoffs. Um, And um, obviously, amongst you know the other commissioners fbs commissioners we're working hard to bring that to fruition and looking forward to it 
Um, as it relates to Texas, listen, they've had a hell of a season. Um, great season. Uh, one of the best wins of the season going to Alabama earlier this year. Um, you know, they certainly have um, played really, really well uh, within our conference and, and for the conference schedule. And if they win this weekend, I think they're very deserving. Um, and, you know, we certainly advocate strongly for them to be part of the CFP. They're one of the premier programs in the country, and they've shown that all season long. And um, and I'm sure they're going to be very competitive this weekend, and uh, we'll see what happens. Um, but if they win this weekend, we will strongly advocate for them to be in the CFP. Are you personally actually making calls to uh, to people on the college football playoff committee saying, hey, look, Texas, they're one losses to Oklahoma. It's a rivalry game. Oklahoma's 12th ranked at the time. They also went into Tuscaloosa and did something to Alabama that hasn't happened in the Nick Saban era. I mean, are you able to actually uh, to pick up hey, the phone listen, and have some influence? As, as you know me, I'm always selling. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, if they'll listen, I'm going to sell it. And, um, you know, I, I think they've had a great year. Uh, like you said, one of the biggest and, and, and biggest wins of the year on the road in, you know, at Alabama. And, um, w- you know, if, if, if I can help, I will certainly. Okay. Have you, uh, have you spoken to Steve Sarkeesian or uh, Chris Del Conte at all this season? And if so, what was that conversation? All like? the time, all yeah. the time. Um, you know, I, I saw a coach right before the game. Um, we text, um, he's become a good friend, obviously a great coach. Um, wonderful person, and uh, so I, I, I think I have a, a strong relationship with with coach, and which will last beyond this season. And and Chris Delcon and I speak very often. You know, he's someone I seek guidance from, and uh, he's terrific. Obviously, you know, one of the premier ads in the country. So um, good relationship with both of them, as well as the president Jay, and and you know, we all get along really well. And you know, obviously, I'll I'll be seeing him this weekend. Yeah, and look, if nothing else, you are having conversations with CDC and Jay and uh, plenty of other 80s and presidents as it relates to trying to figure out something federally with NIL and uh, this idea of paying college athletes for name, image, and likeness, which is turning into something a little bit more, I think, in college football right now. Uh, is there an obvious solution right now, Brett, that uh, maybe includes something along the lines of revenue sharing? That's a topic that seems to have really come up over the last couple of weeks now with the uh, lawsuit uh, that the NCAA and a number of member institutions are facing. Uh, what do you see as the best potential solution right now with all of that? Yeah, Trey, I'll keep it pretty simple on this subject, but I'll just say that I was on Capitol Hill uh, on uh, Monday uh, with some of my fellow commissioners. We we had great meetings. Uh, I think there's momentum on the Hill for some federal legislation, bipartisan. Um, it, what, what I found, and this was the second time I went to Capitol Hill, um, a lot of people have passion for what we do, um, regardless of who you speak to. And uh, I'm, I'm very optimistic. Uh, we need federal legislation, uh, especially as it relates to um, a uniform standard around NIL. I think that's critically important. You know, I, as you are well aware of, uh, states interpret it very differently. And, um, you know, th- that has to be, you know, at the, at the center of, of, you know, what we seek um, from a federal level. Um, but um, I think there's momentum. And um, uh, I'm excited to be, you know, part of that process and, um, and representing the Big 12 in those conversations. 
Do you think it's important that the collectives that have really spearheaded a lot of what is getting to uh, college athletes right now, that it's important that they end up under the umbrella of the athletics department before it's all said and done? Trey, I'd I'd only say that there's a lot that we need to consider, okay? Um, And I think everything's under consideration on how do we modernize and contemporize um, college athletics. Uh, I don't want to speak to what that means today or tomorrow, but I think, you know, we're having meaningful discussions on the best path forward and we'll continue to do that. And, um, I think everyone needs to just trust the process, but we'll get there. And, um, again, I'm excited about, you know, what I heard and, uh, on the Hill. And, uh, there's a lot of people that love college athletics uh, want to see it viable today, tomorrow, and into the future. Uh, that being said, you know, protecting student-athlete rights is critically important. And uh, I'm, I'm very optimistic we're going to find a solution that works for everyone. Considering just how much money is being made in college football annually, I think it's north of $1.4 billion now. Does it seem like an obvious step to uh, include revenue sharing as part of that future NIL model, at least uh, for the sake of college football? Trey, like I said, uh, I don't want to get into too many specifics. Okay. Um, but, you know, I, I think the consensus is um, we're going to move to a different model. You know, and as I said on the Hill, um, we all can do better uh, as a collective group. And um, I, I think, you know, when we think about better, it thinks about how can we enhance benefits for student athletes. And collectively, we've got to determine what does more mean? What more can we be doing? Mm. And, um, and, you know, there's a lot of people brighter than me that are thinking through that. And um, I do have a seat at the table and it's a priority for all of us. And I'm, I'm optimistic we'll get to the right place. College football is such a different beast from every other college sport. And look, uh, you know, college basketball certainly has its place. College baseball and softball do too. But uh, college football is on such a different level. Might it make sense at some point to separate college football from the rest of college athletics, considering how much money is on the line? I, I haven't really focused on that, okay. uh, Trey. Um, it's, it, that, that's not something I've been focused on, to be candid with you. Sure. You know, I just realized this, that you were at Indiana during a, a pretty good time for that basketball program. Bob Knight uh, obviously passed away about a month or so ago. Did you have any uh, experience or interactions with Bob Knight, either as a student or after the fact? So, uh, great question. Um, I graduated Indiana in 1988. In 87, we won the national championship when Keith Smart hit that shot in the corner. Uh, I'll always remember that. Uh, I also took a class when I was at Indiana with Coach Knight. Hmm. May he rest in peace and and uh, got to know him. And um, and then when I became the CEO of the Nets, our coach at the time, Lawrence Frank, who happened to be a fraternity brother and went to Indiana also, was a manager for the Indiana Hoosiers while he was on campus. And for the first couple of years when I was the CEO and Lawrence was the coach, he would invite Coach Knight out uh, at the start of the season. Um, so after, you know, a couple of years being off campus, I got to rekindle, if you will, uh, my relationship with coach Knight, seeing him at, you know, some of our practices and, uh, always enjoyed those moments. 
Bob Knight is a college instructor. Was he breaking out the rule and trying to give people swats in the, in the classroom? Hey, listen, let me just tell you this, Trey. He, it was an eight o'clock class. And as if it was yesterday, I remember him telling me, and the class, on the first day of class, if you miss this class once, you go from an A to a C. If you miss it twice, don't show up because you have failed this class. Oh, man. So on the first day of the class, that afternoon, I went to the local drugstore and I picked up a battery operated clock, alarm clock and a plug in because <laughs> I was so concerned that if God forbid the electricity went out, that I had a backup. So I made sure I was on, you know, in that class on time. Um, because it was an 8 a.m. class. And and I love the experience. You know, it was a two-hour class and uh, once a week. And in the morning, the first hour, we'd meet with Coach Knight. The second hour, his assistant coaches would take us on to the floor at Assembly Hall, hmm. and they would simulate a practice. Because many of the, the students in the class aspired to be um, coaches. Uh, and um, And it was a wonderful experience. And, you know, being a bit of a basketball fan. It was a bit of a dream come true for me as well. Yeah, I'll say, what was the class? Something something akin to coaching 101? Coaching it, coaching in basketball. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and, and so that, that first hour was with Coach Knight, and he talked more about life lessons than basketball, candidly. And then, you know, the second half, the assistant coaches would take you through a simulated practice. Um, so for those that aspire to be coaches, it was great training. And and like I said, I, I, I loved every minute of it. And I made sure I was in class on time. Well, you and I value a, a good story. And I appreciate you star- sharing a really good story to end this conversation. He is Brett Yormark, Commissioner of the Big 12. Uh, you will see him on Saturday attending Texas and Oklahoma State at AT&T Stadium, 11 a.m. kickoff. Uh, Brett, thank you as always for the time, man. Really appreciate it. I look forward to the next time, probably at Big 12 Media Days next summer. Great, Trey. Listen, always nice to see you, and I look forward to connecting soon. All right, another show is in the books. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We'll be back on Tuesday at 6. In the meantime, have yourselves a fantastic weekend, and hook them. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling.